0: Hello? Kept you waiting, huh?
1: <laughs> well timed, well timed.
0: And that's definitely going into the opening blooper. Oh, nice. Hello everyone! Welcome to another episode and another season of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I've got Sergio Leone on on the other end. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine, man. I'm ready to get this thing going. So obviously, we're not. We didn't get to hear the the new intro. Um, huge, huge thank you to Archetypes Collide for letting us use their music. Uh, One more night is just a song that, as the kids say, just it hits. Um, I don't know if it's the bang speaking or just the thought of this being the new intro for this entire season, but I'm super excited. Um, we've also used white noise a few times, but, um, thank you guys for that. Um, and, uh, yeah. So season five, uh, who'd have thought, man, here we are. What what do you think? Uh, I'm ready for it, man. I've been itching for it since the new year. Yeah. I, um, so it's at the time it is February 17th. Um, my hiatus slash, um, Off season went a lot longer than i anticipated Uh, a lot of weird stuff going on we were able to get three of the four uh 2020 nationals recaps uh going with the uh conclusion coming i believe after this week uh so if anybody's wondering what happened uh it's we just need to make sure we get everybody involved um so in the meantime uh i get to do what i do uh best or at least i feel what i like the best and that's just one-on-one interviews and um I don't even know where to start with you, man. Um, There's there's so much, so let's just kind of, you know, let the rabbit holes uh, happen as they will. But we'll just start with the preliminaries. So I guess even though we're in, uh, dare I say, year two of no dodgeball, um, you know, pandemic time still happening. What team do you currently play for or would you have played for if we were looking at uh, no pandemic, no COVID um,
1: well, I'm the captain of Southern Revolver, but I also would have been playing for three teams in the UK. So that would have been, um, Granite City B team, Carmarthen Wizards and
0: Lamington Spartans. Granite City B team, like the letter B?
1: Yeah. Cause, um, the way they structure teams over there, they have A team, B team, and sometimes they have C teams. Okay. So I would have been on the B team for that.
0: What, what was the third team? The Spartans? Uh, Lamington Spartans. Lamington? Uh, I think it's pronounced Layminton. Layminton, That's crazy. So, you would have, I mean, so hopefully, if people are listening, they know you. Uh, no offense, not so much as captain of Southern Revolver, but more for the fact that you have taken this podcast to a whole new level by just pretty much running the international scene. Um, I want to get there. Uh, I, I feel like <laughs> every time I, a, I know when I'm about to hit a rabbit hole, I'm like, I want to get there. But first, preliminaries. Um, okay, so. Southern Revolver um, for here in the states, Granite City B Team, and then the Lemington Spartans for you said the UK, right? That that would have been your team. Uh, and Carmarthen Wizards, Carmarthen Wizards. Dang, yeah. ah, the season seasons that never were, but uh, hopefully <laughs> hopefully we'll see you, see that soon. Um, what uh, what is your number and why?
1: Uh, my jersey number is one or zero one. Uh, reason being is. Just- because the number has kind of followed me my whole life. So whenever I play video games, I'm often player one. One of my favorite uh, novels is Ready Player One. Um, one of my favorite songs uh, from like the early 2000s is from Nelly. And the song ironically is called Number One. And the chorus goes, I am number one because two is not a winner and three nobody remembers. <laughs> and that line ever since I was 12 hit me so hard that anytime I had the option to pick number one, it was just, it was there for me.
0: Nice. Very few, uh, people tend to pick number one. So it's always interesting to hear like their story or or rationale behind it. Um, it's a statement pretty much. Um, unlike eight, you know, it's just, it looks cool. But, uh, one is like, (laughs) no, you're, you're definitely painting yourself as, as somebody that's, you know, ambitious, trying to strive for something. And, um, I mean, let's go back to the international thing. So, obviously, you should be no stranger to the podcast um, to kind of just let people know where you came from, how this whole thing happened. Um, if I recall correctly, I just remember seeing you just adding timestamps um, without without asking. I think you just took it upon yourself. Is that is that right? Like maybe a couple of years ago you started doing that?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, and the reason behind that is, if you remember in the season two finale, see um, was it Serge interviewed you. And I can't remember who asked this question or how it was structured, but I remember you said something about, you wanted to add segments on YouTube and not the whole episode. And I figured, you know what? I'm up crazy hours of the night anyway. I can listen to these, I can listen to these episodes And I can timestamp it and send it to Steve, send it to you. (laughs) And you can upload them however you want. And then they just became a part of the podcast as a whole.
0: Yeah. And I I can't thank you enough for, for doing that. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, want to skip just to the crowdsource questions, or if it's a recap, they want to skip to see if their team's been mentioned, or they just want to know a specific part. Um, again, I make no apology for having two, two and a half hour long episodes. Um, I hate cutting people off. So to be able to do that and then have you come in and just focus on or give people an idea of what, what the overall conversation looks like um, has been an awesome thing to add. So thank you again for, for doing that. And then um, at some point, you pretty much just became like the, the QA, QC guy where you would I would launch an episode and I would forget something or there'd be like dead space or there'd be, uh, heaven forbid, a bad word that slipped by. And you just let me know, like, hey, man, you like you forgot this or this timestamp. There's something weird going on. Did you miss that? And So you just ended up taking on a whole nother role of QAQC. And then um, that went on. I think that was pretty much a standard practice. What last season? um, Kicking off season four was it was pretty much you were like the QAQC guy.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, no, it was that was season three because your episode, your uh, your interview was the end of season two. Was it?
0: It was the end of season three.
1: Oh, was it the? Oh, okay. man, time is so <laughs> abstract at this point. Actually,
0: no, what? I don't <laughs> even know. Uh, let's see. No, it was the end of season. Yeah, you're right. End of season two. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, so yeah, I've been three. doing it a lot longer than I thought. <laughs>
0: man, time is flying. Um, it's weird. Like, I, I've, it's weird because like, there's a meme where it's like, uh. I think it's like the undertaker about to sneak up on somebody on some guy. And it's like, the guy's focused on March from last year, but then March of the past is like sneaking up on him. That's what undertaker is supposed to represent because it, it just feels like, like the world slowed down, but sped up at the same time. Like, is that how you're feeling with everything with, uh, I can't even say post pandemic, but like, is it, is it flying by for you?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, this past year has been, has flown by really quickly and it hasn't really felt like a year, even though it's been a year, if that makes sense.
0: Um, for me personally, it's, it's been fast forward. Like, like as soon as I, uh, switched positions, uh, within the guard and then to command, it's been like, okay, fast forward now. And, um, I'm reeling in the fact that it's, it's already almost March. So it's like, holy crap. But I've been staring at the quote unquote future for so long. It's like, okay, I knew this is coming. Um, but this last vacuum that just came out of um it's, it's wild. Like, I remember, you know, I'm re- recording in the studio that I built or, or manu- not even built, but like set up. I'm like, man, I still think we're going to do like, you know, Saturday night dodgeball video highlights. Um, obviously, that came and went. And then um, playing more with video. But uh, I mean, there's always next year when I get back. So, um, Anyway, um, let's go back to the QAQC portion because you hopped on, and then um, but, what? Like you, what you said, I think for season four last year, you, you had some people that were interested in, in being interviewed, but they were international, right? Is that how that That's started? That's
1: correct.
0: Yeah, I remember. Um, I think you were able to get a couple names, uh, and I said, "Cool, man. Yeah, send them my way, and and I'll see what I can do." And then because of the the time difference because of just my inability to keep up with certain things. Uh, you had like, I think three or four just lined up and then because you don't sleep, um, like you align better with their time schedule. So I just said, Hey man, why don't you just run with it? And Jesus Christ, man, you, you ran with it. I know there's a joke about that where you just need to slow down, but, um, how's that been? Like, what was it like going from, you know, uh, I hope this doesn't sound douchey, but like help me out to just taking on something that you own now. Like, what's that been like for you?
1: Um, it's been, it's been a learning experience on my end, because I now understand like the preparation to go behind it, as far as like what you take and like how I do things. And it just how, how do I say this? It, it was, it was a great learning experience to go along with. And I don't know. I mean, I hear a lot of like good compliments from people. I know a lot of people appreciate it and I've received messages for it um, and I'm grateful for it. But I'm also like, it hasn't quite hit me yet how impactful it's been for people. Like I'm so focused at like the task at hand that I don't really stop to smell the roses. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm enjoying the process and I'm so focused at the work at hand that the congratulations, the thanks haven't really hit me as it probably should.
0: I think, um, I think it might be the same way. But for you, for example, like I mean, I'm always down to show like stats. with like, dude, like there's people listening to us in Ubekistan and it's like more than one person, or Cyprus, or some of these. I don't even know if Cyprus is a country. I don't know if it's a bad example, but these countries I've never even heard of, just because I don't pay attention in geography school, apparently. <laughs> But it's it's wild. Like it's it's so cool seeing I think my first like holy crap moment was um when the Facebook group went from like I think four hundred to like five fifty and most of those people were international folks. I was like, dude, this is all you like I had nothing to do with this. Like look what you did. Look at it. And, you know, it's like put <laughs> like smell of roses like I think I'm good at that. Um, at least at least in terms of what you've done. And um I'm always happy to share stats with you and just show you like, dude, this would not exist if not for you and I really love the new album cover too because it shows like we, we're out of the country at this point. Like we, we're now in the international scope and, um, I really do hope that you take the time to smell the roses. And, you know, I always fantasize about this, um, this point in my life where I'm old, having a beer with my dog on a porch, sipping on PBR and just listening to the past, so to speak. So if you don't feel it now, man, uh, I'm, I'm sure you will at some point. And it's, it's just one of those things where it's like what we've created is, is not going to go away. Um, as long as we don't have like a, an EMP blast. Um, we're immortalizing people's stories for forever. And I, I really appreciate you for helping me do that and, and getting us into a whole new scope. So that all aside, um, <laughs> otherwise it's just gonna be like a thank you Sergio episode. Um, <laughs> let's scale it back and go back to, you know, your beginning. So what, uh, what got you into dodgeball initially?
1: Well, in high school, we kind of played a version of it where, and I kind of alluded it to Amy, um where we played like full basketball court and we had some foam balls some that were seven inch some that were like eight and a quarter but the gym teachers also introduced these um and i don't know if you remember these growing up but they were like nerf balls with the tail on them
0: the, like little and, like carrot looking things yeah, yeah I think was, they, were like, they screamed too right um Yeah, they whistled yep, if you those. threw it hard enough they whistled oh yeah
1: So we called those whistlers and we kind of played a combination of medic and protect the president where it it might've been like 10 or 15 on a side. And one person was a medic and one person was a president. And the object of the game was to get rid of the president or wipe out the whole team. And we often played though, uh, that version of dodgeball. And we only played it for like two years. Um, and sadly, uh, as, as much fun as I had with it, I didn't see dodgeball going anywhere in Detroit. Um, and fast forward to 2010, I stumbled into an 8.5 scrimmage at the Hollywood Center. And that's where my dodgeball journey really began. And that's where my love of the game really began. And I was just like, oh, I feel like I'm in high school again. Like this is, This is so much fun. Only we're playing with uh rubber balls and they actually
0: hurt. <laughs> I don't know man. I think you put one of those like nerf spiral things into uh somebody's hands. Like you can you can do some damage. Um I remember when we played medic, we used the uh the nerf spiral balls. It was like the the red and black um it was a red and black f- like football, but it had grooves that allowed you to just basically launch the thing. So um And they whistled, right? Uh those didn't whistle. Um I think I think it's maybe maybe one model eventually whistled, but um, there's one that looks like an actual missile or like a tulip or a carrot, and so that would hurt somebody. Like I remember the commercial was like John Elway threw one like 150 yards or something crazy, and I just thinking like imagining that just painting a kid just you know point blank like like those it, are a murder weapon, but um, I guess in the hands of kids it may not be so bad, but because um, you know we I, I played medic when you know in middle or excuse me in elementary school and that was my first start. So I really like the, um, the parallels when it comes to like this question and how we all kind of got like this similar start until we found that one league or that one organization that took dodgeball to a more serious tone or level. But, um, so are you, are you initially from Detroit? Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm initially from Detroit. That's right. I grew up half my life, but I also lived in Reading, Pennsylvania and Boston. Gotcha. But majority of my time was in Detroit, Michigan.
0: And when did you, uh, when did you hit LA?
1: Um, after I graduated high school in 2005, uh, during that stretch, um, it was just bad. Uh, as much as I love the city, as much as I was, you know, as much as I had a connection there, there was no future there. And there were several instances where. I wouldn't be here right now. Um, Like I can remember one time I'm walking home from soccer practice and a cop pulls over and like makes me get on the ground and pretty much tells me that I fit the description of so-and-so and they have their guns drawn on me. And if it wasn't for this, like, and I used to, I used to live in like a pretty rough neighborhood. So there was this one house that we all knew where the Hells Angels lived. If it wasn't for them coming out and kind of like intimidating the cop, telling him to leave the kid alone, so to speak, you know, I I wouldn't be here. And there was another instance where like, I'm getting ready for this like Tekken tournament because I used to be a competitive Tekken player in high school and I'm at my friend's house and all of a sudden three guys come in and rob the place. And that could have easily ended my story right then and there. So as much as I love the city, I-, I couldn't be there. You know, it was just, it was during a time where anything that could happen would happen if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Dang. So, um, I made I made a decision that if I didn't get a scholarship to like Michigan, Michigan state or, you know, Ohio state or whatever, like playing soccer. I just I couldn't be there it just wasn't worth the risk
0: Wow um, <clears throat> a couple of things I wanted to, to tie back to um, I mean that's huge um, are you cool talking about the whole police thing I mean
1: I mean yeah I mean I, I can I can talk about it because uh, <laughs> I mean it happened so
0: yeah um, <laughs> So this is, man, I got a lot of mixed feelings for this because um, I'm definitely not trying to tap into the whole controversial thing because in addition to the pandemic last year, there's been a lot of division in how people perceive the world and how they, um, I don't know if if process is the right word, but how they basically sympathize or empathize or um, try to see the other person's point of view, right? So a great example is, this belief that all cops are bad um in your case you know i I can't speak for those specific officers but they sound like garbage like those are the ones that are the problem um being in the military i pretty much every single soldier is like 99 percent pro-cop pro conservative um not so much pro-trump so much as just republican right um they're going to go for the party that they identify with the most but they're not bad people like and it's I'm probably going to get some flack for that, and I honestly don't care because uh, the amount of time I spend with them, I know that they're good people. Um, but it's hard because the second you start talking about that, it's like, man, it just reminds me of like how much of an issue this is. But then you go and throw a left curve, which is basically saying like the Hell's Angels stepped in to help you out. I mean, that's do most people think Hell's Angels are, are racist or like? Oh, there's there's a lot of questions I've been trying to process right now. Um, were they um did they come to your rescue i mean like how how would you can you go back to that part a little bit and just kind of explain what happened with them
1: well i know like when i got like forced to the ground um and yes i was forced they actually threw me to the ground um someone on their porch saw what was happening and they didn't see me as like you know this hispanic kid or whatever they saw me as a kid
0: yeah, And
1: I don't know, like, I, I do know like they are racist or whatever, but I think in their core, like, or at least in that particular group, I don't want to speak for the whole group, but they saw a kid getting harassed and they stepped in and that, that's how I saw it as, cause they never caused problems for anyone in the neighborhood. They were just like, you know, leave them alone. They'll leave us alone. And that's that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then you have Hell's Angels chapters like joining the the counter protests of a lot of these like you know police brutality protests, and you have Hell's Angels, or you have um, like all these marches, and they're they're on the conservative side. Um, I mean that is a a complex thing. Um, obviously, it's great that somebody came to your rescue and got got you out of that situation. Um, man, I, I just um, who knew? I mean. Yeah, that's, uh, we have, uh, we have what's called the Patriot Guard here, um, in AZ. I don't know if that's a nationwide thing, but they, um, have you, have you heard of them at all? Uh, no, I haven't actually. So basically their, their main, uh, focus or, or contribution to the city is that they'll, they'll ride in mass, um, and they'll escort, um, you know, funeral processions of fallen soldiers, or I guess in our case, they offered to escort our guys to the airport when we deploy in a couple months. And um, I'm, I'm torn because, A, I don't know if we want to draw that much attention to us, but at the same time, I think it's awesome that um, people are willing to do that. And um, when one of my brother's closest friends uh, passed away, um, got killed in Afghanistan, um, he was a... Hispanic, Native American kid, um, but also, like, you know, he's a soldier, and so the Patriot Guard showed up in mass for him uh, for his funeral procession, and it was probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I mean, these were, like, your typical, like, picture, <laughs> picture, like, a Sturgis rally or a Trump hell support, uh, Hells Angel support rally, and it's the same guys, but they're, you know, offering their respect and condolences for this soldier that they've never met didn't care what his race was they were there for him so it's like for me it's like i've never experienced fortunately an issue like like what you went through um so it's easy for people i think like me that haven't experienced that to say well no not all of them are bad um you know just there's just a few bad seeds that seem to speak for the entire bunch but um not know, man uh that's an insane story um Kind of, yeah yeah i mean i'm <laughs> i'm talking in circles uh that's just that's just something that's like offline we're we're talking about you know how there's there's like some division within the community and people have different opinions and and pers- perspectives but like this is a great example so I just wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit but um i mean at the end of the day man that that sucks um I'm glad you got out of Detroit um just man that was a i wasn't expecting that one that that'd be a, a fun time stamp. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um yeah, and I know that um I was outspoken in, in one of the dodgeball community threads I, I stand by everything I said um if people want to ask more about it or if they want to talk about it on this platform that's pretty much the most contributions I can actually provide I, mean, I could say stuff on Facebook but you know I'll get some likes or a reaction that's that's about as far as it goes but I feel like what we've created gives people a voice to to kind of speak towards their experience and kind of just pretty much does what it just did to me right now. It just makes me rethink everything um, and, and kind of hear your side and, you know, just realize that this, this is a lot closer than we realize. I mean, that I feel like that's the takeaway for me is like, I had no idea you went through this. Um, and I've been talking to you like almost what every other night, nonstop for the past two years. Um, and I've known you since 20, what, 13, 2012. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you have any more of those that we should be aware of? So this doesn't turn to like a five hour (laughs) podcast.
1: I mean, nothing to that extent. No. (laughs) I mean, those two were like the worst instances I've been through.
0: (laughs) Well, for what's worth, man, I'm sorry. I had to go through that. And I mean, I'm, I'm glad obviously, you know, whether it was hell's angels or the boy scouts that came and got you out of there. Um, that's a crappy situation. No one, no one deserves to be in. Um, at all and that's that's where it gets like you know we talk about reform and dissolving some entities of the some aspects of the police force but you know it's a long way to go um i'll just i'll just stay off that topic any more than i've already been but um <laughs> yeah back to dodgeball so you moved to la why why <laughs> la <laughs> yeah back to dodgeball right that's the first time i'm marking this down how many times we have to do that that's one oh Oh. What was the question? Why L.A.? Yeah, so what what was in L.A. in 2005? Like, all the places you could have chosen, what, what brought you to L.A.? Um,
1: I have some family here on my dad's side. And um, it was just, like, the easiest um, easiest connection to make. You know, just going to an otherwise bigger city, but otherwise having
0: family in the city. Um, you can get mad at me if you want to, but now I'm thinking Fresh Prince Bel-Air story. Like... <laughs>
1: Like If well, I had time, I any, what's that? I didn't have any family in Bel Air or anything like that. That's I mean, close enough. Um, close enough, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're all you're all rich, studio writer, actor people out there, so <laughs> it's all the same to me. I'm gonna do. Uh, this is why I wish I had time because I would totally do like a, a Will Smith parody of of your story just to make light of that super dark conversation that we just had. Um,
1: yeah, you just need to find someone to like pick me up and spin me on the, <laughs> on their head. Like in the intro.
0: Yeah, as long as you're, uh, as long as that doesn't do any um, damage to you. Yeah, we maybe, maybe when I get back, but. Um... <laughs> okay, so uh, 2005, you lived there for about five years. Hollywood scrimmage, what, what was that?
1: So mm-hmm. it was the Hollywood Open Gym. Um, <clears throat> and to kind of touch on that, so I, where I live, I live right by Paramount Studios, and they were filming something right by where I lived. So they blocked off my street and I was in. I was playing um, like street soccer in in the street where they blocked us off. And one of the guys told me, Hey, you're pretty good. You should go to the gym over here on Wednesday nights and, um, and, and play, they have an open scrimmage there. Now I missed the one Wednesday, but I go the next Wednesday and then I find myself in an 8.5 stinger scrimmage. (laughs) and I realized like oh this is dodgeball but played differently in this smaller gym and I got pelted really hard and I enjoyed it and I would later find out that the futsal gym or the futsal open gym happened on a Tuesday but the people who ran it um I don't know if they didn't renew their contract or whatever but it didn't matter to me because I fell in love with dodgeball at that point and that's pretty much where my story began. And like, once I got home, I literally got on Facebook and, and Google and, and like looked up anything dodgeball related and found NDL. I found some articles about it. I think maybe some Arizona articles about it might've been the Grand Canyon games. And like, I was just hooked. And there was this one blog I used to follow, you know, back when they did blogs and it was from this Canadian player called a uh, Pierre Moppet. And I would just read his stuff like every Monday when he had it. Yeah. so like literally from then on, like I just became hooked.
0: I, um, uh, dare I say it? I miss the Tribune. I miss, um, the opportunity I had to contribute. Like, I think it was make a grand total of like two articles, two or three blog posts. But I remember those days, like just living off of people's blogs and reading their story. And, um, I think I followed one in like New Zealand for a little bit um I definitely followed um I think it was like the Portland it's not the Portland dodgeball scene as we know it but there was a time where, where Portland was like huge and just thinking why can't that be us um Vancouver dodgeball league which I think st- I'm pretty sure still exists and it's pretty strong like I'd read those too just thinking you know man there's people out there like we're, we're like in these little pockets and these blogs would connect us. And this is obviously before Facebook was as popular as it is now. So totally, I, I know that feeling. Um, and I think 2010 was like probably the, dare I say it, like the golden age of dodgeball. Like it was, it was just about to take off. Um, the NDL actually had a pretty good product. Um, Rampage won the world championship, So it's pretty much good for, good for me at that point. Like, okay, it's not gonna get any better than this, but, um, Man, you're bringing-
1: What's funny you mentioned the rampage because, um, like I said, like after that night, I just started looking up anything and everything dodgeball, and I don't know who produced it, but it was like a ten or fifteen minute rampage highlight video. Nice. And and it was just like, I mean, looking back on it now, it the standard, like quality wise, isn't as good, but when I saw, who was it? You know, clips of Snyder, clips of Bell, clips of stott clips of it was some couple you know bad girls on there and i'm like yo they're really getting down over there in arizona you know what i mean like this is these guys look like heroes to me because look at what they produced here you know at that time i didn't know you guys were the world champions or or anything like that i just looked at a a sick team highlight reel and just fell in love with it and thought like there should be more of this if possible
0: Yeah, I don't know if he's listening, so I do apologize if I'm blasting him. But Bill Fair at that time was like just on. Um, He uh, he had a vision, you know. He he tried out for Monsoon, which was at the time Arizona's premier dodgeball team that would go to the NDL, and um, he participated in every practice. Um, So did Ben, and for whatever reason, they weren't picked up. So you know, Bill told me he had been sitting down with Ben Snyder saying, you know, I don't get it. We, we put in all the time, all the energy, all the effort, more than some of these guys, um, F this, I'm going to start my own thing. And so he reached out to myself. Um, I brought Mason and Jackie. Um, Chris was kind of torn with the monsoon, but we finally pulled him, got him to see the light. But, um, you know, he, he merged us, <clears throat> excuse me, he merged us with like Dave Wallace and, and, Alan, and um, What I I liked the most about him was he exploited all of our talents, um, and our connections. Like he had a vision and that vision was, we will win the NDL. That's it. No egos. No, but what about this? Or, but what about that? Like he just got us all to fall in line. And, um, that was solid. Um, now where people can justifiably criticize bills, like he used a lot of footage without asking, he took a lot of credit for a lot of what people did, but, um, the man really did have a lot of momentum. And I think, you know, you could take out the bad and look at, he presented a really well-produced, branded product that um, I think a lot of teams are following. Like we always talk about like how Rise had a serious um, tone towards dodgeball and and they kind of pioneered that. And I could be dead wrong, people want to, you know, voice their opinion, I'm open to hearing it. But like that's, 2010 being the golden age, that's when you started to see more of that starting to come out because soon enough, Monsoon, started rocking the the fancy jerseys and you know then you had like not so much team practices but teams just doing what they could to make a name for themselves to include even like Facebook pages so there was really something cool happening in Arizona around that time and um, I would like to see a resurgence uh, you know maybe once we start playing dodgeball again and I get back I could be a part of that because um, for a time you know we had all the awesome videos that cactus dodgeball was was making. With all the um like the bloopers and all the funny highlights, and it was as cool seeing like oh yeah, look at look at Arizona, we're becoming like the center of attention again. Like yay for us, but uh, I do hope we see that again. But um, what uh, earlier you said you got hit really hard and you loved it. I mean, was it that simple, or was there other aspects about Dodgeball that hooked you?
1: Um, that was pretty much that was pretty much it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, I'm I'm probably one of those I'm like how do I say this? Like, I'm pretty sure I'm wired the wrong way, but anytime someone new gets hit in dodgeball, especially by an 8.5 or a singer, the natural reaction is to run from the fire. And I decided to just run to it. <laughs> and it just, I don't know, like for me, it's just like the most physical non-contact contact sport around. And, and, I, and I respect it. There's an element of awareness that you have to respect in dodgeball, similar to martial arts. It's just, you have to respect who's a threat, who's the, it's a constant um, threat assessment. And and that's what I love about it. Like you gotta either watch your blind side, watch the guy in front of you. This guy can throw a curve and get around your your teammate to get to you. It's constantly evolving right before your eyes. And that's what I love about the game. And I think at that moment I realized it almost instantly the kind of element it provides.
0: I really like that because that's, that's what's kept me playing dodgeball. Um, I would say to this day, but if it was happening to this day, um, because for those, that hour, that weekend, that tournament, like all that matters is not getting hit or making a catch or hitting somebody. That's it. Like everything else, the job relationship issues, personal issues just doesn't exist. Like it's just not there. You're just thinking about survival in a, in a safe way, obviously you're not getting killed out there. So I think I can, kinda, well, it depends on who
1: you're playing against. Yeah. I mean, if, if, <laughs> if you're going
0: against like catch them, then you obviously don't want to die, but, um, you know, it's, you're not getting shot at. So it's like you said, it's like the most contactual non-contact sport out there. I mean, the intent is to hit somebody like you are literally throwing something, something that I think we've been evolved to do and do well. And you're just feeding into that instinct. Okay. Um, it's I, like again quote unquote to this day still got that high and that's what keeps me going I'm, I'm, it sounds like that's what, what hooked you was just realizing oh crap i just got stuck pretty hard um that was fun i'm gonna continue to to, to play in this and then um you mentioned soccer i think was a scholarship that you were pursuing um did i hear you did martial arts too at some point
1: uh yeah so i guess you could say my sports background would be soccer um soccer basketball football that's what i played in high school but realistically uh, i was more known in high school for my um soccer i uh, was the leading score uh, for a while um when i played um but as far as martial arts i did judo taekwondo and kyokushin and i did them all simultaneously like it would be monday judo wednesday kyokushin friday taekwondo And I've been doing that since I was six years old and got my black belt between the ages of 14 and 17 in those disciplines. Um, but yeah, like there's elements of martial arts that I see in in dodgeball that play out in real time, as far as like keeping your stance to where you're less vulnerable to get hit, um, understanding body language, as far as who's pump faking and when to respect the throw that's about to happen. If anything, I would say like, yeah. And for a brief period of time, I did, um, ballet just to improve my balance. Um, that was something my mom recommended. So
0: nice.
1: I would say as far as like sports background, like what helped me understand dodgeball almost right away would be Kyokushin because the way you stand, um, and to kind of explain what that is, cause it's not really like a mainstream martial art, it's kind of like a more violent version of karate. Um, best way I could say it's probably like Kobokai. It's We're more
0: like, aggressive, more power-driven, right?
1: Yeah, more aggressive, power-driven, technique-based. And, yeah, it, it's kind of like Muay Thai and and Taekwondo because Taekwondo is more more of a sport than anything. It's not really used in applicable fighting. And Kyokushin is It's more in line with what they teach in like combat schools and... Um, even some special forces striking. Like I know Marines, they use it in their former style called a uh, line. I think it's called line. Yeah. Cause you know, it was, um, it, 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 allows you to like, yeah, it's really aggressive. I'm kind of losing myself, but it, it's an aggressive form of karate that's more street effective. Versus
0: a um, uh, defense and, you know, not studio based, but like I want to run trophies and, and, and spar versus like, no, I actually want to learn how to, how to fight more practical. Yeah.
1: Every strike means something. Nice.
0: And, uh, Cobra Kai is tank pseudo, which is Korean. So close, but
1: well, yeah, those was, was like the closest comparison I can think of.
0: Gotcha. I was like, don't you out nerd the karate nerd? Can't be. Done. <laughs> oh no, I wasn't trying to. <laughs> I, 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 there should be a warning, black hole coming in or black hole, uh rabbit hole coming in. Um, no I like that you said that because I when I look at my sports background martial arts has a huge um, mostly I think just knowing like just having bodily awareness like I, I, I don't know if I could defend myself in a fight I hope I could but um, I feel like being able to do half the weird stuff that I do playing dodgeball was because of you know just having kata and other forms and repetition of you know kicks and punches spinning stuff uh, balancing as a kid you know, I hated my parents for making me do Kempo when I was younger, but I appreciate them so much for that as a result because I don't uh, heaven forbid, even in my old age I'm not that clumsy. So um definitely recommend that if, if you're raising a, a little one to put them through that. But um you said um so soccer, martial arts, basketball, football, um uh, any other sports that you played or when you were growing up? Uh not really.
1: Um it was just mainly those three sports and, and martial arts and a little bit of ballet just to get my balance because I was really like a small kid. So my mom, my mom is like an art, architect in that sense where she was like, if you can focus on your balance, you can overcome your, your uh, size deficiencies. Cause I was always like the small kid in class and on the field, I was constantly getting hit and through ballet. And even at times through martial arts, like I learned how to make my balance work for me and Oftentimes avoid situations where I'd be taken down
0: nice little shift of the way here and the guy misses you (laughs) Yeah, something like that So 2010 um, had you played NDL at that time?
1: Uh, Uh, No, when was Um, your
0: first like big big tournament?
1: It would have. it would have to be 2013 um, dodgeball nation 10k out in orange county where we met yep i was
0: waiting for you to bring that up
1: (laughs) and i have to thank jesse soto for for that because he gave me the opportunity where no one else would and understandably so at that point i'd only been playing three years but nothing serious um but I, i i just told myself like either i'm gonna do really good or really bad but i'm gonna take this experience and and try to make myself better and everybody there was so like welcoming, like after every game, it seemed like people were talking to us, giving us tips on what to improve on for the next round. And like that tournament means more to me now, I guess, because we haven't been playing, but that really just made me fall in love with the competitive scene more so because I took part in it. And like I said, some people run from the fire. I want
0: to run to it. Did you um? Uh, did you play in the Tron dodgeball tournament that happened that night? Yes, because it was it was a three it was a three part tournament. I remember that weekend was so wild because um, that was my first foray into trampoline dodgeball because um, Chris somehow found someone to play trampoline dodgeball the night prior, and that tournament was just like a I guess like, the typical Sky Zone weeknight, weekend night tournament. So all I remember is I just got blast in the face by like. <laughs> Some twelve-year-old kid, and I was all, "Wow, that, this is stupid." <laughs> like, I still feel that mark on my face, I'm like, because I was jumping and I just jumped into him. Like, I have no one to blame but myself. What am I even doing here? Mom can pick me up. I'm done. I want to go home. <laughs> and uh we played in the in the dodgeball nation 10k. And then that night, Vince was was doing his Tron dodgeball, which was a horrible idea for me because I got so intoxicated that night, but I had so much fun at the same time. Uh, oh yeah, that's probably why I don't remember meeting you because I was just not mentally there all of Sunday, and so Sunday was the um, it was another tournament, right? It was um,
1: it was a back yeah, because it um, oh, it wasn't the dodgeball nice. nation 10k because I remember we only signed up for the one day,
0: but next level athletics, that's what it was. Um,
1: yeah, in LA, yeah. um, I just remember thinking like, ah, oh, man, because I remember from what I remember, and maybe you can correct me. The second day was like invite only, but the first day was, if you want to sign up as a team, sign up as a team.
0: Does know, that think, sound familiar? I think it was, uh, I'm not sure. Cause we went as evil for both, both days. So I think, um, I don't feel invite only. I think it was basically, yeah, if you had a team bring it, I think, um, that was that was it also... could be
1: wrong because I remember um talking with Jesse about that and he's like oh no we're only doing the Saturday one cuz Sunday they have something different
0: I could be wrong um that yeah, that that tournament was also uh I was going through the beginnings of a of a relationship breakup so I was very inclined to get intoxicated during Tron dodgeball and just I was not thinking about anything other than play dodgeball go home be sad so that's a blur uh, for a couple of reasons, but um, and maybe somebody can chime in and, and add this in the, in the comments on what it was. But um, I just remember want to remember cause uh, huge homie hookup saw saw Dow. Um, he gave us Tucson dodgeball, like I think like 20 of the Mikasa 8.5 actual branded dodgeballs. And those are, those were like the best dodgeballs I've ever had versus the, the occasional batch where I get like a PG, um, uh, PG seven eight point five one um, huge random tan- tangent that no one cares about, but if Saw you're listening. Never forgot, man. <laughs> so thank you for for hooking those up. That was uh, I was floored. I remember like just leaving hungover, but also just so happy. I was like, man, these LA guys are really cool. Like saw just gave me twenty dodgeballs for free for like no reason other than he's a he's a homie. So obviously a lot of good came from that tournament. if I met you, and you know here we are. So um, but I just remember. Yeah. <laughs> That's when Chris Bell threw I, I, up. Were we there for that one?
1: Uh, no, I heard oh. about it, though. That's <laughs> the thing. Like, I remember going back after Tron Dodgeball, and I think somebody – it might have been Fireball, but someone had like a few of the rats like, give out free shots. I, I think it might have been Fireball. It might have been Jameson. It was Fireball. And I remember – it was Fireball? Yep. Okay. So I do remember that, I do remember playing Tron Dodgeball and then – Jesse being the designated driver, like driving us all home. And I'm like, I, I had a blast. I mean, I got my butt kicked, but I had a blast. And then someone calls Jesse on his phone and they're just talking or whatever. And he hangs up and he says, you know, someone threw up at NLA. <laughs> and I'm like, who? I don't know, but somebody threw up, someone threw up. And then the next day I heard uh, a ref threw up <laughs> at the start of a match. Yep. And year, years later, I would find out that was Chris Bell. But for a while, I was like, who would throw up drinking that much off of shots? Who didn't eat before they went to? <laughs> and of course, it was Chris. <laughs>
0: in in his defense, he was fed a lot of alcohol from... Um, her name was Diona, I think. Um, apparently, she was just pumping him full of Fireball. And so... Being the, the child that he is, he didn't know how to handle his liquor, at least, you know, like everything, your emotions just bury it in so it never surfaces. So that that's on him. But it was basically um, this side ready, this side ready, blah, just right in the middle of <laughs> everything. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Chris. But um, that's so funny that somebody had had the need to call Jesse to let him know, hey, this, this is what happened. Because that, that, that will forever be cemented in the dodgeball history uh, books, but um, that was a good weekend. I mean, looking back, uh, obviously I wasn't had the greatest time of my life, but looking back, it, there's still a lot of awesome takeaways from it. And I did have a, a good time um, after the fact, but so 2013 um, later that year elite did its West West region run. Uh, we're starting to look at elite becoming more of a, more of a thing because the NDL was just tanking. So, What, um, what were you doing at that time? Like about what time or what year did you enter the elite dodgeball scene?
1: Uh, I actually entered it in. When was it? I want to say it was late 2014 because that was when showdown was about to start. And at the time, like I had a tough time trying to find a team, trying to build a team, um, in part because. During that time in LA, 8.5 wasn't really. People were afraid of 8.5. I'll say it. There wasn't that many people interested in 8.5. It was more of a no sting type of city. And I was always down. Like, I used to rent out tennis courts and just scrimmage with like Jesse and like a few of our friends just to play. And I have a distinct honor or dishonor being kicked out of five of them because we were playing dodgeball not tennis, <laughs> hmm. but I signed up for the showdown because I realized um, you didn't have to be a part of a team to, to, to sign up for showdown. And I remember I drew uh, Anthony Miller when he lived out here and I took him to, it was best of five, took him to game five. And I thought, Oh, this would look so cool if I take him on. And he ended up beating me, but up until that point i didn't get into the elite scene for a while because teams that i was with dissolved right before the tournament or just people didn't want to be a part of it altogether so when elite had their first tournament in 2016 or 2016 it was in florida and that's when dom moved back to florida and that's where i became more consistent part a consistent mainstay of um, elite because I help form a team out there and captain it traveled for it. Like I really felt like I was a part of the scene at that point.
0: Gotcha. And I, I don't want to, didn't mean to assume, but did you play any NDL prior to this? No. Okay. I just 2013, like it was, um, that was the famous draw names out of a hat tournament. So
1: I heard about that. I was like, I could not believe that that's how they did CD.
0: Yeah, I feel like even in our hypothetical 2020 mock make-believe tournament seeding, we did a substantially better job than one of the premier leagues at the time. So if anyone wants to give us flack for that, I'll just point to, hey, it could be worse. We could have drawn from a hat. <laughs> um, well, you talked about 8.5 and how you feel people are afraid of it. I kind of agree, um, mostly because I'm terrified of pinch. Like I will just straight up say no thank you. Um, the way these kids sling those things uh, i'm i'm good to just stick with conventional eight point five but um in case people want to give you a flag for that i' I'll, I'll throw myself in there as well but <laughs> what uh let's say uh, what what version of dodgeball is your favorite so um looking at just like elite versus um well you don't really have n d l experience um let's just skip to favorite dodgeball period so like how would you rank your your top three since there's only three,
1: so we're not going to acknowledge cloth. Get out. <laughs> Episode's over. Yeah, um,
0: cut it. You know, never mind. Season's canceled. I'm done. You guys can wait till I get back.
1: All right. Now, so, he,
0: you can you can rank. You can throw cloth in there since you actually have international experience.
1: So for me, um, it's eight point five. I love eight point five. Um. Unlike you, I don't like the Mikasa balls. I like the playground balls, the PG balls. Well, those are
0: the best, but you could never get a good batch. Like it was just a shot in the dark. Like, did I get a warped version or did I get a good batch? And so what I liked about Mikasa is they're consistent, but don't, don't get me wrong. Like the, the PG ones are the best period. So yeah, I just had to say 8.5
1: because in a strange way, it's still, it's still a ball that I'm trying to master, like. I want to master it to the point where I can curve it like a fumble. Um, Like, I'm comfortable with getting hit with an 8.5 ball, catching it, throwing it, blocking with it. And I also love the rule set with it, especially, like, the the smaller court size and everything. Um, So I would say 8.5 just because it's very punishing on the body and takes a lot of technique to master as far as, like, doing what – say Justin Acton does where he like kind of curves it sometimes or, or catch him who throws it and it looks so light in his arm because he's so strong and well refined technique wise. So I'll say 8.5. Second would be seven inch foam just because I can pretty much curve it make it spin any which way I want. Um, I do love like the court size for it. I don't like time. If there's one thing I would like to change as far as like the format for, uh, foam is the timed element, at least for dodgeball. I, I just don't, I don't like time at all. Um, I would say if anything change it to like best of seven, make things go by quicker. Uh, so there's foam, uh, no sting. And the reason I ranked no sting last or not last, but, um, third, third is because it, it's very inconsistent. Like of the seven balls laid out in front of you, maybe three are about the same size. The other two are like kind of worn down and maybe one could be overinflated. So it's just, it's a, it's been a consistent issue that I faced. And lastly, I would say cloth, um, even though I love cloth, it's still something I'm learning along the way, so to speak. So until i master it then it would be third gotcha
0: um yeah no thing is used to be my close second and then uh for some reason foam has has grown on me uh, considerably especially because it's what i'm realizing is we're all going to advocate why we like a certain ball we're all going to describe certain attributes about it that make it superior versus the other but at the end of the day if i start playing dodgeball with foam i'm pretty sure I'd be on the foam camp um, for whatever reason, so I'm starting to just kind of get over that portion. Um, plus, every time I say dodge uh, foam is, is decent, uh, Dylan uh, Odin gets really happy. So there you go, Dylan, if you're listening. I'm I'm wising up in my my, my age, but no um, noticing is just like like it's very it's not so much the inconsistency that bothers me. It's just you I think you're more prone to injury versus. Um, and by injury i mean like a ball can hook around your finger and just rip it out of place um but it's not like it's not like the 8.5 where like 8.5 is i guess supposed to hurt like that's why it's that ingrained childhood memory of that sound but like no sting of fill is causes injuries that are avoidable whereas 8.5 it's just like you you take a risk as as you would with any any sport i don't know if that makes any sense at all um
1: no that makes sense okay i
0: feel like i'm talking crazy but um (laughs) let's go into uh your style play um how would you like describe your style if if you if you have one are you more on the defensive side defensive are you more catching all the above like how do you um how how would you describe your, your play style
1: um i would say adaptive but i would also say i'm like the orchestrator um primarily because i'm the i'm the play caller for my team so i keep the tempo going as i see fit um but i would say adaptive like i don't get defensive until i'm the last person in but otherwise like depending on the matchups we have we'll either i'll either be defensive or offensive or reactive um i feel like i'm very balanced as far as that goes um as far as playstyle, yeah, I would say I'm more like a read-and-react type of person.
0: Gotcha. I feel like that's probably the best approach. Um, i trying to think if anybody's just ever straight-up answered, like, no, I'm 100% offensive. Um, other than maybe the entire lineup of, of Crisis, because they can be. They don't really need to be defensive too much. But, um, is there anybody that you model your play after, or used to, um, when you got started or that you look to now like hey I want to throw like that guy. I mean you name dropped um acton and his crazy, you know, water bending skills for eight point five, but um any anybody in particular that you play after or think you do? Um
1: it depends on and this is gonna be like a weird answer, but it depends on the stage of the game. Like I feel like in the beginning of the game, um, I would have to say as far as modeling my game after, but probably not to that extent would probably be Vince. Um, because whether he was on well syndicate when I started or Doom throughout my career, like whenever Vince is on the court, you can sense there's like a calmness with the team, like let him steer the ship and you'll be in the right way. You know what I mean? Right. So I would say Vince is really good at that. I mean he just, he's actually the perfect example of read and react and adapt as far as I'm concerned, because if he can play a hundred percent offensive, he can, if he could be defensive, he can. Um, but you have to respect the fact that when he's on the court, there's a sense of calmness with everyone on the team. Like they can got, gu- they could look to him and be like, okay, we're being led the right way. So I would say Vince, I would say, yeah, <laughs> Justin Acton, because like like you said, he could bend. He could bend water with eight point five. Just, I would love to emulate that more with eight point five. But I can do that with foam. Um, but towards the end, um, let's say if I'm the last person in, uh, be Tim Fullerton because I feel like I can survive long enough to make a play happen or delay the inevitable. Either way, so I would say depending on the stage of the game, it would just be one of those three.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, there's there's been a few times where I'll be playing be like, man, <laughs> I hate to say it, but like I'd be like, what would Tim do? You know, Tim is he goes 100% every single game and um you know, for me it's like, okay, this is going to end. I'm just going to throw it away and you know, if I get caught I get caught whatever. Uh but there've been a few times where like, no, just fight to the very very end, just just make this last just just for you, like like give it your all. And obviously I tend to last a lot longer during those matchups, but if it's like recreational league, I'm like, eh, whatever, F it. Here, Here's, you know, I'm just going to throw it and go for it and and, and move <laughs> along. But Tim is like, I will give my best. I don't care what it is. It could be a charity tournament. It could be the 2022 freaking, you know, national championships. Like he he goes ham the entire time. And sometimes that that mindset makes a difference between calculated moves or just – um you know, I'm going to jump up and go for this ball that's like way over my head just because um, that's, that's more of a personal thing for me. But is that is that what you're kind of talking about? Like when, you, when you're when you alone, like yeah. you're thinking how would Tim handle this? Or...
1: Yeah, because like, and, and this is, I guess, where we're kind of different. Like I play hard all the time. Like I don't care if it's a charity tournament, rec league. Like if I can survive, I'm not going to cheat my, myself with effort like that. Right. Like I'm either going to go 100% or not. And some people find that annoying especially in rec league and some people you know want to sit back and watch the show but anything i do i do 100 so yeah, i don't like a, to cheat myself
0: you might be a sean higby because he'll to, to the very end that guy in his freaking like military grade pants or whatever the heck he wears will be <laughs> the last one in all the time and he just acts like everything's on the line and like because we're playing open gym, like 85% of me really hates that. Like, dude, come on. It's it's not that, it's not that deep. Like, let (laughs) just, just let this go, man. People want to play. But part of me kind of admires that. It's like, you know what, that's, that's like a, that's like a small Tim Fullerton in the making, a very awkward Tim Fullerton who shares memes in the making. Yeah. But uh, it's, you know, that's the difference between um, people like myself who might quit on themselves a little too early versus those who, you know, go the distance uh, every single time. So, if I ever get to play again, I'll, I'll keep that in mind, especially when it comes to competition, if that even is a, a thing for me down the road. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, no, I don't like to cheat myself. Like if I, if I can, if I could survive five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, I mean, it could be open gym. You could be annoyed, but I got
0: pride on the line. Nice. <laughs> so you talked about like who you model your play style after, um, going into just life in general. Uh, did you, or do you have any role models uh, or did you growing up or do you now, and this could be real fictitious, um, all the above. Uh,
1: um, I'm gonna try to breathe through them as much as I can. So I would say my dad, um, because he was also a soccer player, also well accomplished, he was just very classy. And I think the difference between me and him is, or actually not too much of a difference, but. He also never, like, cheated himself as well. Like, Hmm. whether a game was out of reach or he was way in the lead, like, he was still trying to score. He was still trying to make the right play. He was still trying to do everything he can to, like, really put a nail in people's coffins or fight from behind and win. Like, he was just that type of competitor. So I would say my dad um, and my mom because – she was also very competitive, but in her own way. She was also a judo practitioner, nice. And so, yeah, a lot. So when I say like my mom is like a crazy architect, and like she would like break things down, like she really did. But she was also a no nonsense type of woman. Like you couldn't tell her, okay, you got to roll with the other women. You know, this is the for the men's. Like no, like she could flip you, man, woman, whatever. Like <laughs> she she wanted to actually go up against like the bigger guys. To challenge her technique, and you know that's where he, that's why she has a, like a lot of respect in the gym and in the neighborhood where we grew up in. Because like, you can mess with anyone else, but you're not messing with her. You know more so than my dad. Like you can't mess with her. Um. And plus, like she often had like a swagger that I try to emulate. Like, you know what I mean? Like she just she just knew she was the best, but she was never cocky about it. So. I'll say her. Um, one of my favorite soccer players, uh, still currently playing, but he's about to retire soon, would be um, Gianluigi Buffon, and he's a goalkeeper for the Italian national team. And he often, and again, he also wears the number one. So, the reason I pick him is because, similar to my dad, is like he wants to block everything, even if a game is out of reach, like n- it's never done until it's done with him. And for someone who overcame a serious back injury in the early 2000s to play better than before the injury, like, he's going to be in the hall of fame for sure. And for someone like me, who's a forward, I got to respect that. <laughs> nice. He's just, he's just a do or die type of person and still is still is and possibly his final year. Um, still is, uh, Kobe Bryant, because man, that guy's such a competitor at such a young age that in, in a way kind of reminds me of me because like I was young, very competitive, but also like socially awkward. I didn't know how to understand people who didn't see things the way I did outside of my teammates. And even then some of my teammates were isolated away from me. And if you hear stories of like Kobe Bryant, when he first entered the, entered the league at like 18, he was in a league full of grown adults and people looked at him like, this kid is, he's too full of himself, but he was willing to outwork everyone. And for me, that's that kind of fits my mentality. Like I want to outwork everyone, even if I don't have the talent to do so. I have the time a day and willing to maximize every ounce of me to to perform better than people than that are more talented than me. So, and just the mentality that he has, like whether it's five seconds or 0.3 seconds, like he's, he's not afraid of the moment to do or die for his team. And that's something that I admire wholeheartedly about him. So Kobe Bryant, um, and then going fictional, I would say Ryu from Street Fighter, because as a character, uh, especially in the movie, um, animated movie not the garbage live action one hey, yeah it's still it garbage
0: that's still fun to watch though like you just go in there no expectations and just it's a it's a fun time and that's that's yeah. it
1: <laughs> like ryu uh as a character he likes to test himself he likes to travel with his friend ken around the world um and test himself against other martial artists and that's how he got on the radar of shadow law um And that's kind of like me. Like, I want to test myself against other players in dodgeball, other formats in dodgeball. So win, lose, or draw, like, of course, I'm going to try to win. But I'm also, I want to learn from the experience of traveling and playing under different circumstances. And that's where, you know, Ryu is sort of like someone I draw to as a fictional character.
0: Yeah, Ryu is one uh, of my favorites.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. As far as like role models go,
0: fictitious and otherwise. And here comes uh rabbit hole. Spike Spiegel. <laughs> oh man. Um,
1: he's a, I-, I love the fact that he's so honor bound and there's this quote, I think in the last episode where he said, uh, I have one night of the future and one night of the past right and I kind of relate to that because I never forget what I come from I never forget or where where I came from I never forget what I've been through but I'm always looking forward to like what I want to leave behind I don't want to be forgotten and in those instances where it could have gone the other way for sure I wouldn't be here And that kind of scares me, but it doesn't scare me to the point where I run from doing this podcast or, or playing as hard as I can. Every time I want to be remembered, I don't want to be, I want my name to mean something, you know what I mean? Like if you Google Sergio Leone right now, there's a Colombian soccer player an Argentinian soccer player, a movie director uh, who directed a lot of Clint Eastwood's films. And not to say that I want to be on the Google searches or anything, but I want my name to mean something. I want my name to mean something in the sport. And that's probably why I'm like so driven in anything and everything I do is because I won't know the full impact that I have. I just won't. Um, I'll never see like the ripple effect on the water, but I know I'll leave something behind and similar to spike, like when you watch that episode, when you watch the series, yeah, watch yeah, out for he, spoilers
0: in case uh, people haven't seen it.
1: <laughs> All right, fair enough. Just, just um, to be
0: just to be kind, because uh, it's a great <laughs> show. Um, yeah, so sorry, spoil. Just be careful of the spoilers.
1: Yeah, uh, so I'll try to avoid that. So, for those who don't know, um, we're referring to Cowboy Bebop, and if you watch the entire series, there are points where he can seem very laissez-faire, but very confident and that's something that um in some ways i identify with because the past year like, i've just been emotionally numb like the pandemic hit me mentally more than anything because here i go having this plan for the year as far as like with my team and with myself and all of that just gets snapped away and some would say spike is emotionally numb and i could see i could see the valid argument behind it but Like Spike, I don't, I'm not, um, I don't break. I haven't broken. Like I'm still here and I still, I still want to fight for something down the road. And I want to fight to leave an impact down the road. And that's something that Spike embodies as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. Um, I was 19 when I was introduced to anime, thanks to Adult Swim and, um, (laughs) Cowboy Bebop, man. That show just... I think for most people, it sucks you in. Um, fantastic soundtrack. Great visuals. Um, it's one of those rare um, <clears throat> animes where the, the English dub is actually really well done. And um, the story is just incredible. Um, the characters are fantastic. And for me, Spike was like this epitome of this um, guy who just appreciated freedom. Like, just being... A free guy to you know they're, they're bounty hunters and so they're always looking for the next big break but they don't answer to anybody they just they're amongst themselves and um through most of their adventures so to speak or their bounties like there's some kind of hard-hitting like life lesson that just hits you out of nowhere like you're not being preached to you're just you know you interpret it as you would any episode and um looking back now as, as a as an adult you know um some of that stuff just lands. I remember like sharing a couple episodes with you, like, dude, you got. I can't wait till you see this one episode. And um, that that's an anime that has just like, I don't say like grown with me over time, but um, for those that are on the fence of watching, it's it's 24 episodes, so it it has a beginning and an end. Doesn't go on forever like uh, some of these other ones, like uh, like Bleach, which I think <laughs> is still going. Like I, I can't follow that crap. I don't have I don't have patience, yeah. but. If uh, it, it's
1: a masterpiece of a show, um, cowboy yeah. bebop. And this is me like advertising for it. If you're on the fence, give yourself time, check it out, check out the movie afterwards. You're going to love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll just leave it at that. Cause there's, there's, if we were to go into the, the hard hitting feels portion, that that would be the, the spoilers. And I don't want to uh, yeah. ruin that for anybody on <laughs> the off chance. You might be on the fence. So, <clears throat> well back to dodgeball, um, <laughs> Only two, so we're, we're doing a pretty good job. Um, yeah, <laughs> do you have a favorite superhero? Uh,
1: in DC, it would be um, Constantine, and in Marvel, it'd be Captain America. And the reason for Constantine in the DC universe is because he's very he's almost like Spike, like he he goes through life just kind of laissez faire, but he respects the element of danger around him and has the confidence to not break to the pressure of it. The guy who fights angels and demons alike, um, some would say has dark tendencies as far as like alcohol and cigarette abuse, but someone in the, in his deepest core really loves humanity and is willing to put himself in elements of life or death situations to protect that. So I would say Constantine, um, and in Marvel, I would say Captain America because Captain America kinda r- reminds me of myself in the way that before the Super Soldier serum, Steve Rogers was constantly overlooked, but he was brave enough to still want to fight. Like that was just that was all Steve. Like he wants to fight for for America. He wants to fight for you know, for the right cause. And he wanted to fight Nazis and now he's fighting galactical threats like Thanos and and he still has that like youth like exuberance of just not being afraid and just always willing to fight till the very end. And if you've seen Avengers Endgame, like the guy gets stabbed through the leg and he's still trying to fight on one leg. I mean, if that doesn't embody it, I don't know what else does. So I would say Constantine and Captain America.
0: Nice. Yeah, pretty much uh, <clears throat> got really like choked up when. Um, when he, he pulled Milnor, like he, you see the hammer fly past Thor and he's holding him and just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, I saw that with my friend and she's like, I don't think he moved. I'm like, I, I couldn't. I was just like, just in awe. Like I, I almost wanted to cry. I was like, and cause everyone's cheering and everybody knows it. Like, um like that line, Tony Stark says to Steve, everything's special about you came in out of a bottle. You like you know, that's not true, but when it comes to his superpowers, sure. But that, that was just like the epitome of like, no, throughout all, all this, this whole conflict throughout the last 10 years of this crazy story arc, Steve Rogers has stayed, you know, the same morally correct, um, like hero. And so then he goes and beats up Thanos with it, which is really cool. But yeah, it was, that was a great, <clears throat> very cheesy, awesome nerd moment. I actually did cry <laughs> um, when I saw him lift the hammer. Yeah, I mean, I, I got, I got teared up it was a whole. My my feelings right now can't can't sustain the the awesomeness and just smiling like ear to ear like every other kid watching that, that movie. Um I mean, that was that was great. Um let's go back to uh also that wasn't really a tangent. we we were good on that one. But um
1: No, we were good on that one.
0: So the the infamous Kramer moments, um you know, 'cause you you discussed themes about pushing yourself and, you know, not running from something complicated or or even dangerous Um, and you know for me maybe I might reword this I don't know but I remember this came from season three where I was interviewing uh, Brenda and you know most people just aren't born like in perfect shape they're not born with a perfect physique and they're not born with like unmatched motivation and sometimes people like fall off so you know when I was talking to Brenda she had talked about um, what got her into fitness what got her you know over that that hump, so to speak of, okay, I'm done. I'm going to start pursuing my physical health. I'm going to become a, a, a bad, so to speak. Um, I'll drop a, a bad word for you, Brenda. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I call that moment the Kramer moment. It's just like that moment where you just like, okay, I want something better. I'm going to pursue it starting today. Starting today. I'm going to run starting today. I'm going to pursue this career starting today. I'm going to do X, Y, Z, because at some point, like you you've, you just had it. So what, um, what would you define as your Kramer moment uh, for now?
1: Um, well, this would be like a two-parter. So the first part would be after the Dodgeball Nation 10k, the following Monday, I was like, for the next, however, uh, let's say six months, I'm going to just get comfortable with 8.5. I'm going to, sign up to every 8.5 scrimmage I can whether it's 20 people or five and just really get comfortable with it because as much as I knew like I wasn't gonna like beat Headhunters or Team Evil or Pimpan or I'm naming all these old school teams just because we faced them as much as I knew I wasn't gonna beat them I also knew I wanted to face them again I was not gonna run from that and I wanted an opportunity to go right back into elite whenever I could. So before every, whether it was no sting uh, league night or foam league night, I always warmed up with an 8.5 ball just because like if the opportunity knocks, I'm not going to get ready. I'm going to be ready. So definitely the 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 week after the dodgeball 10K. But there was another one. Um, my other was it Kramer moment, I guess we're calling it. Uh, It would be um, 2018 round three, San Diego. And it's coed round Robin against Rise. And somehow it's me against Serge, Tim and Chris Bell. And I told myself the week before, like if I'm in this situation I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to, I'm not going to run from it. I'm just going to deal with it to the, to the best of my abilities. Cause yeah, there rise, but I am me. And when it, how it ended up happening was Tim, whether uncharacteristically or characteristically threw a ball at me, I jumped over it and I knew right away, the best way to take out Tim is when he doesn't have a ball. So, I took him out. Now it's just Surge and Chris Bell, and they're both like ready to. They're like running at 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 me, like they're gonna hit me hard. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let me just duck because I know it's gonna go over me, and it went over me. And as soon as that happened, I recollected myself, breathe, assess the situation, and went after Surge. And Surge, instead of dropping to his knees to try to catch it, he does this what I call like turtle dodge, where he gets on all fours and hits and gets on his side. So he made himself a bigger target and it skimmed his back. Hmm. So took him out and now Chris Bell reaches for that ball that I hit him with. And I'm like, okay, now he's going to try to do the same thing, but I got to duck again, I cannot jump into his range. I just knew it. I don't know how I just knew that it would play out a certain way. So he threw, I ducked, went way over me and I threw right back at him and like clipped his back foot. (laughs) <laughs> and he, he looks for a split second. He looks disappointed, but looks at me and like, gives me like a thumbs up, like, okay, that was good. <laughs> nice. And then after that game, I just knew, like, I just got to read that situation the same way, react the same way and just play as smart as I can because they can be rise, they can be, or where I play in the South category five, they can be whoever but I am me. I know what I can do. I know how I could read it. So I would say that was like my big, like Kramer moment. Granted it was in round Robin, but it was a big moment for me. that still, still resonates.
0: I mean, it's no, no small thing. Anytime you are facing off against Tim, Chris and Serge or, uh, any mixture of rise players and you come out ahead and like I was talking about where, you know, the difference between you and me and sometimes is, is this is so many to correct is if I was looking at that like, ah, well, you know, it's just round robin. I was no one care and pick a hit, whatever, but you know, you, you fought to the end and the end ended up in your favor and it just shows you you're a contender. So it's a, there's a lot to be said about having the mentality of now I'm, I'm going to dig in and keep fighting. So definitely a good, a good few moments there. Um, do you have a pregame a ritual?
1: Uh, yes. Um, (laughs) this is going to be probably the most twisted one you probably hear in a funny way. So my pregame ritual, I mean, I don't listen to too much music, but the night before a tournament, I'll have like my team dinner. I'll go to my Airbnb and to kind of get myself more in the mode, I'll listen to like either the John Glenn speech or anything from, uh, David Goggins, or even watch like drone strike videos on YouTube.
0: I wasn't expecting that one. Um, Which one? (laughs) Drone strike videos. (laughs) Uh, Uh,
1: just because like, and like I said, you you probably wouldn't expect that. I love to see people get their comeuppance. I hate people suffering and I hate people who make other people suffer. And the most unsuspecting thing now in the modern day is a, a drone strike. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the perfect encapsulation of karma, even though I don't believe in karma, you know, just, Oh, well, now that's one less bad guy to worry about because justice is served. So I get myself in that mode. I'm like, granted, I'm not in a war zone or anything, but it just helps heighten the mood. Like, okay, I'm going in there cause I'm going in a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. I mean, thinking of Ryan, I do enjoy watching ISIS get blown to shreds. Um, There is, you can call me morbid or whatever, but watching, uh, some, some bad guys just need to go. And, um, there's nothing sexier than a drone strike taking them out. And, uh, but before a dodgeball game, uh, probably not one of my, (laughs) not one of my clips to watch, but I, I, I guess I can see it. Um, David Goggins though. Good Lord. That man is just a sick monster. Um, if you can't motivate you into something, I, I don't know what can. The guy's insane. Um,
1: oh, and Jocko, and Jocko,
0: my boy Jocko. Who, uh, man, <laughs> <laughs> I think the coolest thing I heard from him last year was he has hard times. He has bad days too. Like he doesn't. He's not always 100 percent Jocko. Like he, to to this day, after all he's done, after all he's been through, after all he's accomplished he'll still have those moments of, of weakness. And, um, yeah, you because know, with us, it was, you know, I, I was fortunate to get into the elite fitness gym. I was able to, to train, uh, with Tyler, the guy that trained him and, and now Tina. And, um, it's, it was awesome. And I was going on a really awesome, uh, like trek every, every, every other morning at 4 30 AM I was up and, and getting after it. And then the pandemic hit. And yeah, poor me. life is so hard. I can't go to my gym anymore. But it was rough, kind of just trying to keep that up. <clears throat> and so, you know, I just remember, you know, once I'm kind of just struggling to work out at my own gym or out in the park. And I just remember Jocko saying, like, yeah, even to this day, I have a hard time because I always expected, okay, when is it going to hit where I'm just going to want to go to the gym all the time, 100 percent without these weak thoughts? And no, it's it's forever. Like you're always going to be in that battle. And so. You know, David Goggins is something just completely just out of this world. But Jocko, I feel like being able to admit that really helped me a lot. So I don't know, maybe I'll have to listen to him before a dodgeball tournament and I can get into that that full mindset of doesn't doesn't matter if this is round one, um, round robin or the, the finals like just hundred percent all the time, nonstop. But um then maybe I'll write watch some drone strike videos just to see if there's any difference in motivation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i'm twisted but like i said like i don't i don't like people suffering and i don't like people making other people suffer and that's just the purest form of justice for me
0: yeah yeah that's I, no I mean, you know obviously you want the drones to hit the correct target um that being those isis sobs uh for that reason i mean they're they're it does some really really terrible things and there's no most morbid, more gratifying feeling to see those guys get taken out. So I, I'm hundred percent on board with that. Um, anyway, back to dodgeball, back to dodgeball. All right, so we're, at, <laughs> we're actually at four. I'm going to count the spike Spiegel one <clears throat> or the, excuse me, the, the superhero one um, with captain America. So you said you don't really listen to any songs so much, but, but do you at least have one or two that, that amp you up for a dodgeball game?
1: Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> One of my my favorite band of all time is uh, Nine Inch Nails, and I can pretty much listen to any song from them and get amped up. But my favorite song is "We're in This Together Now," and it's sort of like what I adopted is like my team motto, and the chorus with that goes, "We're in this together now, none of them can stop us now, we will make it through somehow," and. That hits so hard because anytime I hear that chorus, it's like, it really just, it it puts together how how I approach with my team. Like we got the game plan, we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna adapt if need be on the fly and we'll just, we'll make it through. Like there's no lack of confidence in us at all. So let's say that song. And what else, what other song? I beg. and a perfect circle count bodies like sheep. Cause that's like the ultimate wartime song for me. Um, cause it's just, it's a, it's a twisted remake of their previous song, pet, but it's more in line with like heavy drum snares, industrial beats and heavy guitar riffs. Hmm. So they actually remixed their own song and turned it into something else. That's more twisted than what it was before. Nice. So, so those two songs I would recommend, um, especially after we're done, listen to that and you'll know what I mean.
0: So we have a a preliminary Spotify playlist of all the recommendations that have come through the cor- course of the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. One of the things I will commit to right now is getting that finished before I leave. So um, let me just write that down because uh, it goes anywhere from like, Like you just said, Count Bodies Like Sheep to, um, how was that song that- We're in this together now? No, um, yeah, we're in this together, I I mean, to, um, what's that song that- The Little Mermaid, that Ketchum, of all people, listens to, um-
1: Oh, no, he listens to, uh, piano Disney music. Yeah. Somebody
0: somebody said Little Mermaid, I want to go where the people are. I'm like, okay, weirdo, whatever. That probably was Ketchum. Yeah, so, um- Spotify check uh, playlist uh, incoming at some point this year. So all righty now for the, the fun to begin um, <laughs> crowdsource questions. So Anthony Aldred, which again, going back to the, the new faces of, of the group, which is awesome under no circumstance. I don't think I would have ever seen this guy come up here or ask questions. So uh, kudos, but um So he says your perfect ball type plus rule set combo based on your experience of playing. Um, I think you kind of touched upon how you like the elite rule set with 8.5. Is that the answer or do you want to revisit that?
1: I would say the elite court size, but to make it more challenging, remove 8.5 and add um, foam because now you're just making the court smaller.
0: Right. That's your ideal perfect combo type and rule set? Yeah.
1: Um, and, and I would say, yeah, like, and get rid of time. So best two out of three or three out of five instead of the time element and WDBF.
0: Yeah. The only thing I don't like about the time development is people can play the clock and that's frustrating. You're like, oh man, like they're camping out. But at the same time, like if I'm on their side, probably do the same thing, It's just kind of frustrating to watch. It's just like when, um, just in the NFL, like when they're running the clock down, you're just like, uh, well these next two minutes are going to be kind of boring. so. But, Unless uh, there's a fumble. Yeah, that's occasionally going to happen, especially like when the Giants are playing against the Eagles, and we're all trying to see if the Cowboys are going to have a chance to go to the playoffs or not. But, uh, or no, the Redskins <laughs> against the Eagles, that's what it was. Um, <laughs> God, that was a frustrating year. But um, He also asks, uh, the next event outside of the USA uh, you hope to travel to? So you kind of mentioned that you would've been playing for the UK, but would that be the next event? Um, is it premature to say that or like if you just, if this-
1: Wait, what was the next question? I'm sorry.
0: The next event outside of the USA that you hope to travel to? Uh,
1: at this point it'd be the next available event. Just um, anything. it'd either be their foam open or a British open, or hopefully team USA in Glasgow, like whatever the next event over there is, I'd like to go to
0: it. Nice. And then it looks like he sniped in a funny one. Would you rather have a huge head or a huge clown-sized feet whilst playing dodgeball? <laughs> I like that he had to say wireless. That's that's how you ask your question, Anthony. Anthony.
1: Um, it was a huge head or huge feet?
0: Huge. And, and huge is in all caps, so for emphasis.
1: Uh, I, <laughs> um, I would say just huge feet because I can at least move my head and not have to worry about skimming my ear or whatever. At least with my feet, I can. I know I can jump away or strafe appropriately to move.
0: I'm, so it's yeah. a huge feet. Say you know they say about people with huge feet, they just they wear big shoes. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's probably better than having a, a big head. Anyway, Cal uh, Sander, it <laughs> says uh, great moments in dodgeball. Favorite memories. Who are you excited to see him play again when the season comes back? So we'll definitely visit the great moments favorite memory piece towards the end. But we can answer his second question of, um, is there anybody you're excited to see him play again uh, when the season comes back? Aside from everyone and everything. Like, is there one event here that you're looking forward to the most, one aspect of it? Um, Let's assume the season's back on track this year. What would be the one thing you're looking forward to the most?
1: Um, Really, just to see, or just to build off of the chemistry we have with Southern Revolver. Um, I, I legitimately feel like our chemistry and our adaptation this year, plus with the new people we got, we would have been better and. Granite outsiders are miles ahead of the region, but I feel like we could have made some serious noise as far as like improving upon our previous placement. So to answer that question, um, just to see how we would match up against anyone really in the region. And then eventually nationals when that takes place.
0: Nice. Um, I think you put rescheduled till next week, but fortunately stars aligned and we were able to knock this out this week. So forget that one. (laughs) Good thing is we got more questions. So Amy Jones asks: uh, Did your experience with cloth change your perception of the game in a positive way?
1: Yes, actually, because. As soon as you get the grip down on the on the foam balls they play over there, it feels like a lighter 8.5. So it's not that much different. I, I mean, obviously, the only thing I don't like about the element of cloth is the timed element. But other than that, like, I love the ball. I, I love playing with it. I love the court size. I love the countdown to make everything go by quicker. So, yeah, it definitely influenced it in a positive way.
0: No, maybe uh, when I get back, I'll give it a shot, and then.
1: Well, come out to, uh, come out with me with one of my UK trips.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, Whenever I might. Whenever that happens, I'll have nothing but time and some money saved, so it might actually happen. Um, Corey Lee Larson has a few questions. He says, "Out of West and South, which is your favorite region, and why is it the South?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> the food, love the food out there. Easily. I You can't get brisket like that anywhere else. So it would definitely be the food. Um, on top of that, the people. The people there are very welcoming. Um, and yeah, the food and the people. <laughs> I'll say that's why the South is my favorite
0: region. Yeah. I think they get a, a lot of unnecessary flack, um, which I can't tell if that's a joke or if, if people legitimately see the South as some of these memes do. Um, I know I felt really bad with how we handled the, uh, the seating for the national tournament, but I feel like we communicated why we went that way as best we could, uh, especially with all the, the change with the South, but like, I love talking to anybody from that region. Um, that has been probably one of my most favorite recaps to, to look forward to. So I definitely will be spending some time in the South once dodgeball kicks up again. Um, for sure next year. Uh, but he also asks, uh, which region has the best barbecue and why is it the South? I mean, I feel like that's not even a question. Just wants you to reaffirm the truth. Um, yeah, he's just reaffirming the truth there on that end. Um, now I'm really hungry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite city to travel to for tournaments? And why is it Dallas or new Orleans?
1: <laughs> well, I would have to say for the South, it would be Dallas. Um, just because the time I went to New Orleans, I had like a crazy uh, mix up with my flight where they canceled it, but then they rescheduled to a later day, a later uh, time. So I didn't get to really experience New Orleans that much. So by default, Dallas, um, because they have a lot of great bars, a lot of great food selections, just, and it's a beautiful city. And one of the things I've still, I can't wait to do is, um, get a tour of the Cowboy stadium. I just have not been able to the previous two times I went. So hopefully the next time will be the time I do. So
0: I'm not going to talk about the Cowboys. So,
1: I mean, they've disappointed you since I was eight. So. Yeah.
0: That's why I don't expect anything from anyone ever. I've just been conditioned to expect nothing. And anytime somebody delivers, I'm always like beside myself. So, I guess I can thank well, I mean, you still got to check out the stadium. For that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just feels like I'd just be checking out one of the things that hurts me the most. So, oh, God. Uh, genuine question from Corey. Um, he <laughs> got me. What is the meaning of life, <laughs> and why is it to play dodgeball in the South? I demand answers. <laughs>
1: so I just looked one. at that. <laughs> the meaning of life. Um. The meaning of life is to play dodgeball, regardless of whatever region. I mean, the south. I would say the one thing I love about the south is that, outside of the food and the people, is that we actually get to play every team in round robin. So there's a beauty in the fact that it hasn't grown as quickly as all the other regions has.
0: That's like like it's still
1: it still like has room to grow.
0: Whereas LA or West, you're pretty much going to play like. I don't know, half the teams at best. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, you'll play half the teams, but it's arguably the most talent depth uh, region in in the country. Yeah. So there's that. There's that you have to weigh against.
0: Uh, Let's see. Eli, uh, he asks, uh, what's the goal you set for yourself each time you play in a tournament and in practice? That's a good one.
1: Overall improvement? Uh, for myself and for my team, um, overall being able to lead uh when it comes to Southern Revolver, overall being able to lead in a better way. Um, that's my main goal anytime I play elite or premier, But if I'm on another team, um just simple stuff like catching the best player on the other team or being really effective at the role given. Um playing my role to my best of my ability but also be able to adapt to whatever role the captain i'm with gives me so yeah those, those would be my goals whether training or practice um whether i'm playing with my team or someone else's
0: nice he also he also asks a good one um excuse me um any long-term or short-term goals as an individual so just outside of dodgeball if you're comfortable with sharing like any goals for yourself personally i think that's cool
1: Um, In the short term, uh, just improve, just get in better shape, uh, improve my footwork. I've been throwing in my uh, garage, so like refining my throwing technique every time. Uh, I haven't had anyone throw uh, against me. So overall, just improving my fitness, improving my uh, throwing technique and just getting my footwork down to when we do play, I'm not rusty, I'm ready. And long-term goals is to um, not only make Team USA and win gold, but to win gold in every foam open in each nation of the UK. That's also a goal I have down the road. And I, I told everyone there, like, I want to be the first American to win foam gold in each of the home nations. So Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and England.
0: Can you do I that? Want to it open on- to anybody?
1: what's up is it open to anybody
0: these tournaments where you can
1: yeah no they're open to anybody if you're willing to travel yeah they're open to anybody you just have to find a team and Hmm. and um and yeah and just and just go
0: okay what about as an individual like outside dodgeball outside dodgeball um
1: just, just be in better shape and, and just be, and just survive the pandemic as far as short term goes, because like, there's really nothing I can do in LA, like LA is like, even though we're still opening up, it's just, it's still kind of shut down as far as what we can do. But overall, the only thing I can't control is my fitness and my shape. So not to, not to hit that 30 slump that some people hit.
0: Yeah. I've been finding that for uh, seven years now, so. Yeah, that's a that's a ever ever going battle. Um let's see, yes, what are some areas you would like to improve in? You kinda of talked about your footwork, throw style, um what about uh might be re- revisiting this one, but what do you value as success in terms of dodgeball? So obviously you want to win gold and everything, but you know, if that weren't to happen, what would you when you look back at your career, what would you say was successful? <clears throat>
1: I would say the impact overall that, and I, and I don't want to sound cocky, but the, the impact I had as a person, as a player, overall, um, that would be successful for me. Like I said, I, I'm very driven not to be forgotten, whether as a player, as a podcaster, something in between, like I'm fighting for my name to mean something. So if I'm successful in that, even if I don't get gold and that would hurt me to my core, uh, I'll find success in that being remembered. Nice.
0: Let's see, I think we visit through a couple of them, but just to revisit it again, uh, Dominic, he asks, uh, craziest dodgeball story. What comes to mm. mind?
1: Craziest dodgeball story. Um, So this one would be a two-parter. So I mentioned my tournament in Florida and Dom was a part of it. So the craziest thing about that tournament was, I'll admit, I was such a travel noob. I had no idea the scope of Florida as far as like driving wise that Unfortunately, after the tournament, we couldn't go party with Davis or any of the other guys there. We had to drive back like six and a half hours to Miami where Dom lived because I had a flight the following morning. So that was crazy in and out of itself that I had put Dom through such <laughs> a logistical nightmare that he had to drive me back so I could be back on my flight the following morning. And that's actually one of my biggest regrets is I wish I would have extended my trip longer just so I can like hang out with Brendan Mercier and Mike Caterino and those guys just to like have some drinks with some Boston folks. So that was crazy because like as soon as the tournament was over, as soon as the last strip of paint or last strip of tape was taken off, we just hightailed it because <laughs> we had to. Got to go. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> And the second one, this, w- this also, well, this didn't happen, but the crazy thing was the way that the schedule worked out last year prior to the cancellation, round two would have been played in New Orleans and it was gonna be played during Jazz Fest, which to my understanding is like the, the second next thing next to Mardi Gras. And I would have experienced that. And I would have been like, you know what? Now I get to experience New Orleans. So, and it was a one day tournament. They don't, they don't do the two day thing that they do in the West. They do one day. So I would have stayed out there for the weekend, flown back in on Monday, have a six hour layover, and then fly to Manchester um, that same day to play in the, the foam open with uh, Spartans. So that would have been crazy because I wouldn't have not have left the airport. I would have literally just landed chilled for six hours, flown for 12, stay out there for a week and then come back. Hmm. Would have happened, but still crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, uh, like, would you even have a chance to enjoy that trip or, I mean, you're just pretty much in and out
1: like, uh for new Orleans. Yeah, yeah I would have, because I actually booked it to, to have Sunday off as well. And just experience the festival as it took place. <laughs> because normally the way I do my travel is I'll fly in Friday morning, leave Sunday morning or afternoon. But because I knew Jazz Fest was going on, I was like, you know what? Let me just get another day. Why not? I racked up enough days at work. Let's do this.
0: <laughs> i trying to think so. of like my quickest turnaround, turnaround tournament. Um, He's like, you, you fly in play and then you're, you fly out like the following day i haven't haven't done like a, any touch and goes just yet but um might come to that I'm so hard for dodgeball at this point but um <laughs> Dum also says um move from the west to the south um i think he might mean just like how that was or what caused that or if you just want to kind of speak to that just a little bit on just yeah just that that move that transition.
1: Well, that transition happened because um, my team kind of fell apart from underneath me, and, you know, some of the players were told if you wanted to make Team USA, they had to leave me. Hmm. And I was in a position where, like, I found out all, all this happening two weeks before Christmas, and if you remember, Christmas was when Elite released the schedule for the following year. So when I found out about that, I was like whoa like that just hit me out of nowhere and granted it wasn't everyone it was just like a handful of people but now i have to reload in a region that's arguably competitive and get people to commit versus going to the south where i had some momentum i've been out there before primarily dfw never louisiana at that point and you know, I realized like I started getting momentum recruiting people there. I started getting momentum as far as like people wanting to play with me, people wanting to have me and not to say that people didn't want me here or anything. I don't want to say that, but it was like, I was getting more yeses there than I was here. So my initial plan was to play in the West, but play two rounds out there. But when I realized I just couldn't have a team here, I just decided to commit to the South at that point. Because why not take advantage of the momentum and just build something there, knowing that I can always come to it and, and, and lead it. And in the off-season, uh, 2018, I went to a uh, leadership seminar hosted by fitness personality Brandon Carter. And he's a no-nonsense, albeit very vulgar type of person who he gets down to the nitty-gritty. He tells you what you need to do, whether you like it or not. And at each stop he had this leadership seminar, he had a different guest. And at this stop, I noticed right away something, like I knew somebody had to be important to be there because I saw a SEAL trident behind him, but there was no hint. It was just a SEAL trident in a place where they don't carry those or, or fly those. So after he was done talking about leadership and fitness and all that, he brings out David Goggins and he gives out um, leadership uh, free chicken and like pretty much tell, you know, gave me a lot of like, not me, but just like people who were there insight on what it takes to be a good leader, be a good captain. And just, if anyone's going to teach you how to, you know, any leadership tips, why not be someone who was a part of one of the greatest special forces units of all time? Like if you can't learn anything from that, I I can't tell you how to live your life at that point. (laughs) So, it just became very clear like i had something special building in the south and i just decided why not just go there and just add you know just add to a new experience and continue my journey in elite and now premiere
0: yeah i mean it's um it just seems like that's all signs are pointing this way you know what i mean versus the resistance that whether it was malicious or not, you'd been forced, uh, facing with, uh, it was XO at the time, right? Right. So, um, oh man, about to go into a, a middle gear, uh, reference. <laughs> I'm going to stop myself now, but, um, Whitney Pittman, man, um, does she want to do guest interviews? Cause she just unleashed a barrage of them. So let's try to do some <sighs> rapid fire here real quick. Um, sure. she asks, what's the most fun you've had playing in the South?
1: literally, um, what was the most fun we had? Every one of them were fun times. I mean, I don't know if I could pick one out in particular, but I want to, I want to say our first time in Memphis, because we literally, like, we had a team dinner, then we went to a bar, then we went to this, like, kind of bar play area where you could throw axes or throw dodgeballs at each other or play, um, it's like golf, but it's a mallet. I I don't know what it's called, but like, we went to this like outdoorsy type of bar in Memphis. And I remember like hanging out with Cody Stidham and a lot of the guys from Lone Star, a lot of the guys from category five. And so I would say it was that the first time we went out there even though like every time I've been out there it was a fun time. Now I, w- I would just point to that because it, for me it was like a signal for a new beginning. So I would say that would be the
0: most fun time I had in the South. Nice. Sounds like my, uh, it's like being born again comment. Yeah. Made a few, a few years ago. Um What city has been your favorite to travel to for dodgeball? I mean, it sounds like South is going to, gonna win this one unless you have a different actually
1: no um actually it would be portland portland i love like when i landed in portland the year that like i guess everyone had a heat stroke or something i mean it was hot but i didn't feel any (laughs) effects of that yeah um i just love the city it was very lush very green at the hotel i stayed at we were right by the river made me fall in love with the the northwest and made me want to go to seattle uh, at any point so I would say Portland. Yeah. Because I've been to San Diego X amount of times. I've been to, um, at Phoenix a few times, but, uh, Portland just, Portland's beautiful. And I'm, I'm a very outdoorsy type of person, having come from Michigan. So it's the closest thing there.
0: Yeah. I mean, Phoenix isn't like, you don't come here to Phoenix to look at the, the desert landscape. Um, it's cool looking for a couple of hours and then you're burning alive. So, um, Speaking of which, uh, now I have another crazy story
1: to add to Dom. So in 2017, I was going to fly out there and stay with Isaac to try out for Team USA under the old USDO banner. And I go out there and I call Isaac and he's not answering his phone. He's not answering his phone. So my friend and I rented a car and I was like, I know where city square is. I don't know the street, but I know where we are because I've been here before. Let's just sleep in the parking lot because you know we can and no one's gonna no one's gonna bother us. It's very empty. I woke up at 7 a.m. and it's 96 degrees, and I'm sweating in the car. And I'm like, what? I'm thinking it's noon. I'm thinking like the matches are going on already. And I'm like, dude, it's only like 7 a.m. and it's like 96 degrees. I'm baked in this car, man. Let me get out, man. <laughs> I slept in the car because Isaac couldn't answer his phone. And as soon as Isaac saw and heard what happened, he was very apologetic. And he was like, yo, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, dude, it's fine. I, I'm out here, ride or die. Granted, I almost died because I was cooked like a KFC chicken. But <laughs> so, yeah, there. that that's another crazy story I forgot to add. Yeah. That's... The fact that I was willing to sleep outside in Phoenix, not realizing how hot it gets right off the bat over there.
0: No, I mean uh don't wanna, don't want to take a dive into the Norbit, but um people die if they get locked in their cars um animals are especially very um well guarded I would hope like most people in the summertime will say I don't care what happens if I see a kid trapped in a car or a dog I'm I'm breaking the window cuz that it it gets stupid hot but um I believe it. Yeah. Um but going back to the Pacific Northwest it is gorgeous land out there so yeah. um, Quite a, kind of, um, what do you call it? Like a, just a, a huge change in scenery um, from Arizona to, to the PNW. Um, Whitney also asks, uh, what's your favorite off the court and on the court dodgeball moment?
1: Um, On the court, on the court thus far, and this goes back to Memphis, we were, in round robin, we went four and one against Ascension. And, and, um, prior to the second matchup in, uh, in Nosting, colored Nosting, Devin Parham comes up to me. He's like, yo, we got some payback. And he didn't say it like with any malicious intent. He was like trash talking, like hmm. playfully. He's like, we want to run that back. Cause there's no way like you're the on- you and this team are the only team that beat us this whole day, like. Yo, we can. You can come get it. We. I'm right here. Like, we're. I'm not running from you, kid. You can go. You know what I mean? Like, we're just trash talking, but there's no nothing like vulgar being exchanged. It's just like, okay, he came up to me. I respect the moxie on this kid. Now let's see. You know what I mean? Let's see what. Let's see what happens. So it was just that, not only the record, but the exchange that happened between me and and Devin, that later turned into a great great friendship that we have now. So I'll say that's my favorite on the court moment favorite off the court moment um i'll i'll probably say anytime after a west round um i'm talking to tim i'm talking to serge and whether they know it or not they kind of give me gave me advice on like what i see how to improve and stuff like that cracking a few beers and whatever because granted they look like scary individuals but they're actually really nice people i'd argue they're probably the nicest people I know in the game. So anytime after a tournament in the West, when I played out here, I would always talk to them and, you know, talk to them about their final matchup with doom and how it went and, and stuff like that. So it would just be moments with, uh, Tim moments with surge.
0: I mean, it was moments with Tim and surge and some of team evil that ultimately inspired this podcast. So, uh, totally feel you on the hanging out with those guys. Um, those conversations can be pretty, pretty awesome. And, um, I know they've always given out this vibe of they're too good to be approached, but it, it's usually the opposite. They're, they're a good batch. Um, she also asks, uh, what are the biggest differences between Southern revolver and EXO? Um, you kind of talked on those. I don't know if you wanted to revisit that.
1: Um, the biggest difference for me is more so, um, like the leadership, Uh, traits I picked up Uh, with XO is always like because we all wanted to be competitive we all wanted to be and we're in the West like we all wanted to do well we all had a sense of pride but I never prioritized like team dinners or anything like that and the one thing I learned from Goggins is like before every mission before every engagement what do warriors typically do they have a nice meal they have a nice chat sometimes they'll share a few drinks or whatever they they kind of take some time away from the seriousness and preparation and just embrace the moments of peace. And I feel like the only difference between Southern Revolver and EXO is yeah, we're both competitive, but as a leader, I've evolved. So there's not too much of a difference between the two teams, more so the difference between what I knew then and what I know now.
0: So that feeds into the next question and that is, what have you learned most from captaining? Um,
1: hmm. Kind kind of, kind of what I already discussed, just like creating an environment where, where we're all feeding into each other's competitiveness, but feeding on, feeding into each other's need for family. Like every man on my team knows like, Hey, if I'm messing up on my role, take over, I'm good enough to be here anyway. Um, and every woman on my team, I have four women on my team. Every woman on the team knows like, hey, you, you're you not on here to fill a quota. You're here to do some damage because I know you can. And you may take my role or you may take their role depending on the matchup, but you have an equal say in the team. So um, just creating that need for competitiveness and need for family because ultimately that's what we are. Everyone on that team is an extension of me in some way, shape, or form.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's what I like. I know you kind of harped on those themes a little bit, but to be able to wrap it into that question was it was good that when he asked that one, mm-hmm. um, she also asked if you have a preference for drafting redheads on Southern Revolver. <laughs> Picking on a, on a pattern here. Um,
1: uh, that just happened the way it happened. Uh, I have Sean Kinney, Brendan Bolliard, whitney and emily lockhart and looking back yeah they're all redheads it just happened that way <laughs> that's all i can say it just happened that way
0: um she asked what's your secret to always having a positive attitude i mean earlier <laughs> holy crap we tar- tapped into some some dark themes but um i mean what, what, I is, think for- what is it <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't know if there's a secret, to be honest. Um, I think part of it is just the fact that I think like David Goggins and Jocko said before, like sometimes they just have days where they don't feel it. And the same thing with me, like some days, especially more so during the pandemic, there are moments where I don't feel it. And if anything I want to project is the fact that the secret to me being positive for other people is I don't want them to feel like me at times, I don't want them to feel like me in my darkest moments. I want them to know that even at my freaking darkest moments, yeah, I caught myself, is that I care and I'm still being able to be reached out to. So it's not so much that I'm positive all the time, it's just that I haven't lost myself in the abyss of my mind. And if I can rescue people away from that, that's really my secret there. I don't want people to feel like me in my worst time.
0: Man, do I go into another rabbit hole or not? Um, <laughs> <coughs> I've shared it with you that it's like a, um, it's like a, an, an animated DC movie. Uh, I think it's like Batman versus the owl or something.
1: Uh, like, Night of the Owls.
0: Yeah, where he's like they're the same kind of, but there's that quote where Batman says like, you know, unlike you, I've stirred into the abyss and didn't back down or something like
1: that. Um, I didn't blink. I didn't blink.
0: Yeah. When I saw, I was like, good God, Batman is just so dang awesome. Like,
1: and that's the thing. Like, and that's, some, that's one thing. Like I, I've tapped into some of my stories there, but I didn't tap into how I felt when my parents passed. I didn't tap into how I felt like, why i got into martial arts you know what i mean like what pushed me to that level i don't want people to feel like me at my lowest and i know some people may share some of my scars and some of them may share my experiences some of them may have worse experiences than what i have i don't want people to feel that way not around me and i could have very well easily been this that or the third or not have been here but the very fact is I don't want people to feel like me at my lowest because I've been there. I, I I've been there in moments where it's like, I don't feel like myself, but I am myself, you know? And yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, I know what it's like to feel scarred and I know what it's like to look at the abyss, but I will be if I know what it's like to blink when I stare into it.
0: Nice. Um, on a happier note, she asks, "Who's your favorite teammate?" Cough. It's me. Duh. Cough. So it seems like um, <laughs> these questions are more just affirmations, I guess, of what people already know. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, Whitney. Whitney is a mix, a more balanced version of myself. In that, like I said, I watch drone strike videos before a tournament, whether it's a charity one or not. Oh, like I want to get in that mode where it's like. The men and women are my team are the only thing that matter uh in, in a competitive sense they're the only people that matter to me um with her it's like she's competitive but like she'll share dog pictures with me and like funny memes and stuff like that so um and on top of that like anytime i get caught out or thrown out in a in co-ed i i, I call her my bail bondsman because she bails me out and she brings me back in so that's what she's alluding to.
0: <laughs> well, um, at the time of this recording, I believe she's standing somewhere in the corner of Winslow, Arizona. Um, so she's just enjoying everything that um, Arizona has to offer. So um, then, yeah, offer is on the table. Whitney, if you're ever interested in guest hosting, uh, by all means, this will be the season where we need it the most. But um <laughs> Do you have one more final crowdsource question came in through Instagram. I hope I'm saying his name right, but Faizan Haider asks, um, can you see any standardized rules changing uh, to improve the the world phone game? Um, Can you see any standardized rules changes improving the world phone game?
1: I would say the timed element. um, I would say the timed element because now that we're introducing cloth into the game, I can't imagine how much time in a day would be given where we have timed cloth and timed foam in the venue that we only have limited time for. So I would say if anything, um, and because foam is a, a ball that flies relatively quicker for most, the timed element in foam um, to kind of like make things better and move things along a little quicker. because the elements of defense and and such and stuff like that is always gonna be there. But if you make it a best out of five or best out of seven, in theory, that would make things go by quicker, especially with the speed that these guys can throw the phone ball at.
0: Gotcha. Um let's see. I don't know. I've got mixed feelings on the on the time element, like I said earlier, but um I feel like like going back to your comment, like best of seven, like you won clearly. It's not because of time. Like that has nothing to do with that. Like you you just won the most out of seven games and it's, it can be that simple versus timed. It's like, you just got to camp out after you, you take a lead. Right. But it's all, it's all also time management too. Like don't put yourself in a situation where, um, the other team has an advantage by camping out on, you know, two or three wins within a couple minute period. But, um, that was a pretty painless, uh, crowdsource <laughs> questions, fun. Um, most of them, like, like I said, were just accusations or affirmations and how you feel about certain people, which is awesome. <laughs> um, glad to see the South chiming in, but, um, I think four, four rabbit holes wasn't too bad considering, you know, we're, we're creeping towards the two hour mark and, uh, you know, I withheld a lot of other tangents, but, uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of time for that down the road, but, um, some of the other questions, like the critical three, I want to get rid of those, uh, mostly just because dodgeball just isn't happening right now. So the biggest thing I think most people could say is, what would you like to see different in dodgeball? We'd like to have it actually happening. The um, <laughs> some of the other ones, well, I mean, like what's that?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, other than it actually happening, I want to see. Well, there's two things to that. One, better team presentation, uh, team branding. When I went to the UK, everyone had matching uniforms, sh- uh, tops, shorts, uh, warm-up jackets, and stuff like that. So I think taking, the- taking our marketing as a team the next step is w- something I'd like to see. And also, um, and this might be controversial, but we kind of have to sell the rivalry and sell the drama. If we're going to sell the sport, we got to sell that too, sell the narrative. Why does this team not like this team? Um, Why does this player have so much heat on them? And how much – why does this person constantly being overlooked? Let's sell the story. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, And the reason being is, like, if you look at sports in the past, like, why do we care that Michael Jordan overcame the Detroit Pistons? Why do we care that – why Kobe Bryant tapped into a different mentality in 2004. Why do we care that in the first season of The Ultimate Fighter, we wanted to see Josh Koscheck get beat because he was a trash talker? Or if we're talking about esports, why do we care so much about double lift when he's just playing behind a keyboard, but he's really speaking his mind, talk, trash talking? I think there's too much, um, and I can't speak to it because obviously I'm nowhere near it, but there's too much selling the sport, not selling the drama. And once that does pick up, like, let's really emphasize that. If we're really trying to sell it to people, let's sell that too. And let's sell the fact that he uh, was it two years ago was sending out memes on almost on a <laughs> weekly basis. Let's sell that. Why are we running from the drama? Like, we're not. Granted, granted, it was all in good fun, but let's not sell this like, oh, we're all happy to be here, just playing or whatever. Yeah, we are, but why should we? Why, why should we just sell that and not the drama? Sell the narrative we're, sh- we're selling ourselves short here.
0: And part two of the podcast in three, <laughs> two, <laughs> <laughs> That was some, um, some really valid points. And I mean, I, I hope people like, that are listening to our nine, their heads. Like, yes, that is,
1: um, like l- 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 let's go back in the past. Why do we care that rampage was built to beat rise?
0: I mean Rise was the dominant do force. Care? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Rise was the dominant force. They were taking our medals and we had. Right.
1: It. I mean, this was happening during the the era of blogs and not the era of podcasts. So, it might not be it might be forgotten, but why do we care that every time we see Rise in the final, either you want to see him win or you want to see him lose. Why do we care that every time Mayweather is in a boxing match because we want to see him lose, but we know he's a defensive maestro, but we also know that he trash talks a lot sell the narrative along with the sport
0: yeah Otherwise, way that's all you see is uh somebody that throws really hard hitting somebody that didn't dodge is cool and that's it yeah.
1: that doesn't like i mean it's cool but that's only because i know the story behind it
0: exactly <clears throat> well more to follow on that um <laughs> we'll talk offline about it but um i that is a good thing to to bring up but um want to spend some time on this last one i do have two actually but um what does uh what is life like after dodgeball for you
1: i i don't know and you should have seen Um, this
0: coming for yeah no i
1: know it's just thinking like (laughs) i want to be involved in it as much as i can like if i'm in you know if i'm in you know great shape and barring any serious injuries i want to play as long as i can So, whether it's after dodgeball, I don't know, maybe content producing, um, maybe more interviews or something different on the international front, or going back into competitive gaming in some way, because I still have that. I mean, but otherwise, like, I haven't really thought about after dodgeball, because for me, it's been a part of my life for the past 10 years. And I say 10, because in 2020, it didn't really continue, but would have been 11.
0: I mean, with the podcast international series, dodgeball has been part of you during 2020. So,
1: right. So is that the physical, who's to say that I'm going to leave. Like, let's say if I were to, you know, God forbid, retired next year, I would still do the podcast. So does that really count as after dodgeball? Um,
0: yeah. yeah Cause the way podcast. I asked this question is, was is dodgeball like after you can't play anymore for whatever reason?
1: Then, yeah, I guess it would probably be in, content producing or or things of that nature um because i've fallen in love with the process ever since i hopped on
0: nice well i was trying to pick a theme for 2021 uh you know two seasons ago it was pizza versus um tacos Tacos. (laughs) last season it was the good old austin deeks dad jokes um For this one, given the fact that we're coming out of the pandemic and we are unfortunately um, more divided than I would like to see, um, I think what I would like to, at least I would do before I'm out the door, um, you can come up with your own with your ask me three questions uh, spin. Uh, Justin Bosch might have his, or Bosch might have his uh, continuation of what's in your gym bag. For me, it's what um, is one thing that you are grateful for? And it could be, because of today, because last week, this year, forever, just <laughs> and on, on gratitude. <laughs> the
1: Hannah <handed> question. <laughs> um, I think I'm grateful for the fact that I took time to do this episode, um, to do this interview, because like I said, like I said before, I won't know the full impact of what I leave behind and I'm grateful for the opportunity of doing so with this episode and future ones down the road. So I, I do want to thank you for that um, because for me, it's like, I have this phrase where it's called, like, I'm running a race to a finish line. I'll never see. Hmm. I won't know the full impact of my time here. And that's probably why I like I take so much time and go hundred percent at everything I do. So if anything, I would say now is like, The time you know working on the podcast, the time interviewing on my end of the things and being interviewed when, to be honest, I don't see myself as a big name in the game. Um, I'm just someone that cares very openly and want to see it grow while also having my own goals at the same time. So I would say just grateful for the opportunity as of now to do this interview and who better to do it than with someone who I've gotten to know over the past two and a half, three years where there would be no like awkward moments as far as like opening up where I probably would have it with anyone
0: else. Nice. Yeah. I'm trying to look back in my notes where Hannah asked that question. Cause I was like, Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to steal that. Um, usually I can. No, nah, she threw it as a curveball. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it I, you know, threw you off. It's like, Oh, I can begin. I wish I had it in the notes where I circled it. Cause it would be like, ha, see, even, even past me had this planned it wasn't uh sporadic <laughs> but um yeah i mean you know i definitely appreciate everything you've done and, and i think the intent with kicking this um this season off with someone on the quote unquote west coast but also with some southern ties but also just with what you've done helping me out from qaq scene to time stamping to getting us into some kind of international scope um i know that i'm leaving this in good hands um I haven't I, I haven't really officially announced it and I don't know if I ever should have to, but for those that are listening, you know I'm, out, I'm basically deploying I'm out the door for all intents and purposes, April 6th. And so my biggest fear um, had always been when starting this thing is if it took off, does it die with me? I'm not, not saying I'm gonna die, but like if I stop doing it for whatever reason, um, all these stories, all these memories, all these awesome um, conversations like do they go away? Does somebody else pick it up? And knowing that you and Justin have have picked up um, a lot on your own, we've had the fortunate opportunity to have guest hosts like Lou and uh, Amanda. Like it, it tells me like this this will go past me if even if I ever wanted to walk away. Like if I just said one day, eh, I'm tired of doing this crap. I don't play dodgeball anymore. Um, I know that what we've created will sustain and this is a great opportunity for it to do so because if for some reason you guys drop the ball i will come back and beat the crap out of both of you so there's that <laughs> i will come back to this but um i'm very grateful that it's going to continue and i'm excited to see what you guys do and i think one thing that really helps is um you know people get a chance to see who you are um beyond you know the interview scope because you can only give tidbits of yourself when you're interviewing somebody but this is mostly focused on you so this kind of gives a really good reason why people should should give a crap about your story and now they can tie in you with like oh okay um he was in this episode and he's the international guy and hopefully it builds from there so um on that note man i think uh i think that's all i have so i think what we'll do is um we'll end the interview here Uh, Alrighty. So that, uh, that wraps up my conversation with Sergio Leone and Sergio, man, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done, um, and for your time and also for being flexible. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was gonna be able to get this out this week, but, um, obviously if you're listening to this, I did. So, um, thank you to those that have submitted questions. Um, as I mentioned, if you're waiting for the 2020 nationals hypothetical recap, uh, fear not, we'll get that out next, uh, next week, next week. We'll get that out next week, and um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm going to record a few more interviews before I'm out of here, and it will be the Sergio, Justin, and anybody else that's willing or wanting to uh, take a stab at interviewing or uh, make-believe event recaps. I mean, it's weird that we're going into year two of not playing dodgeball but we have plenty to talk about still. So uh, by no means the podcast going away and I'm just very grateful that uh, this isn't going to go away in my absence. So that all being said, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Um, can't believe we're kicking off another season. This is incredible. Five years of, of doing this fun stuff. So I uh, can't thank anybody has listened enough um dom justin sergio everyone that's helped me out lou um i mean the list goes on but i i really truly appreciate you guys for this and um with that i'm just very excited to see where season five goes so if you're still with me have a great uh rest of your evening a great rest of your week a great weekend and we'll see you next time that's all i have so i think what we'll do is um we'll end the interview here and you land your space cowboy ah <laughs> shouldn't have uh <laughs> I, what'd you do i i i, I entered the interview too soon um you told me to say that <laughs> i know and i completely i tossed the ball up to you and i just swatted out of your hands so